This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. How's everybody doing? Listen, we're, we're in the middle of a series that we call The Best Of. Basically, what we've done is we've invited you um, throughout the month of July to vote on your favorite series that we did over the last year. We compiled and tabulated all the votes and came up with the top five. Last week, um, we started this, and we've done this for a few years, but we kind of threw a twist into it this year, is that we're going to bring in some of our outside um, kind of influencers and people that we're involved with. And last week we started with our, our tru- one of our overseers. His name's Dan Stahlbaum from Merritt Island, Florida, pastor of East Coast Christian Church. And Dan killed it. If you were here, if you weren't, definitely go listen to it um, on the podcast. It was a great message. Uh, but today we have Pastor Bernard Carter. Bernard is uh, planting in just a few weeks a church in downtown uh, Philly. Okay, so uh, he's a, a little bit different neck of the woods, right, than, than Albemarle. I've known Bernard since college. We were uh, uh, kind of cohorts in trying to um, influence the, the worst dorm on campus. We both worked in residential life in uh, one of the craziest, rowdiest dorms on our campus. And uh, he's been a, a good friend of mine throughout the years. We traveled and did uh, ministry together with a musical group. And, and so uh, a few months ago, I ran into him at our art conference, the Association of Related Churches, which is the church planting organization that we started through. And, and, and I found out that he is now uh, in this process of getting ready to launch Ascending Life Church at the end of September. And so I thought, man, what, what could we do to help and partner with him? So we decided to bring him in. And today he's revisiting a series that we did just a few months ago called I Quit. Now, I have given him a specific job. I assigned this topic to him, and he's killed it. The first service was awesome. I just want you to know that it's going to be an amazing time with him. So would you welcome with me uh, Pastor Bernard Carter? So good to have you here. All righty. Hey, Vortex, how are you doing today? Outstanding. That's better than stuff sucks. (laughs) How are you doing? Stuff sucks. All righty then. Um, I am uh, Bernard Carter, and uh, your pastor and I have been friends for years. And you know, you hear people come and you, but love this guy. You know, um, can't say enough. I mean, we can go on and on all day, but uh, at uh, crucial points in our lives, you know, college is a crucial point in your life. And so um, I was working there, and Kev was, uh, Kev, Pastor Kevin was one of the guys working uh, with me, you know, and uh, we were just able to do some great things together as far as, you know, travel and ministry, you know, work together alongside each other. And it was just awesome the way that God brings things full circle. You know, so once again, he's already pastoring. And really, you guys are a few years ahead of where we're going, what we're doing right now. And uh, God just brought it full circle. And he just has a heart to continue to expand the kingdom. And you guys are going to be a part of sowing to what we're doing, sowing into what God is doing in uh, Philadelphia. So I just want to thank you in advance. But today... Uh, I am going to continue on with your, uh, your series, I Quit, which is a great series. You guys did um, I Quit Making Excuses, I Quit Living in Fear, uh, Comparing, and Complaining. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. That's really good stuff. Now, I have a story that is kind of funny. Um, it was funny to me because it happened this week, 
as I was preparing to come down here to continue on your series, I quit. And so a friend of mine and I were at Red Robin. And uh, this friend of mine, his name is JD. Now, JD, you don't know JD, but JD is, uh, he was the vice president of new initiatives for like jack-in-the-box chain restaurants, and he also worked for Starbucks and did some significant stuff. And if you know anything about leadership coaching, he is um, a certified John Maxwell leadership coach. Okay? Bring up a picture. Shazam! <laughs> That's me and JD hanging out at Red Robin. So JD and I are sitting down having a burger, talking about stuff. We're talking about church planning, about how, how God has been working in our lives and what's going on with ourselves. And there was a lady who came in to eat at the same time we came in, and she came in with her two kids. Now, this Red Robin is packed out because it's lunchtime. People are getting their veggie burger on. They are doing it, getting it in, right? It's lunchtime, they're getting in, trying to get out. So this lady came in the same time we came in, and she, we didn't even notice that she went back out. But she came back into the restaurant, and of all the people in the restaurant, she approached JD and I and asked us, said, hey, um, I don't know, but is this yellow car outside yours? And I'm like, well, yellow's not really my color. You know, um, no. And we're like, no, no, we don't know anything about this car. So we finish our meal, not thinking anything of it. And she, she asked us, and then she goes and sits down when she realizes that it's not our car. So we finish our meal the same time she finishes her meal. We walk outside, and we see the picture of the car. If you could bring up the picture of the <laughs> And so it dawned on us that, oh, she asked us, <laughs> was this our car? And I don't know if it's because she thinks that I like the color yellow. I don't know if she thinks I like classic cars. I don't know if she thinks I just like shiny things. I don't know why she selected me and she selected JD to see if, of all the people in Red Robin that this was our car. So I said, you know what? I need to take a picture of you because I'm going somewhere this week and they're going to want to see you. So show the next picture. So she decides to do the most appropriate pose she could figure out for the car that she believed that JD and I owned. So she went straight like, what? This is how we get down. That's what she decided to do. So we're looking at this car, and I just said to her, I said, I got to take pictures of you with the car. So I took another picture. But the second picture, the next picture is funny because there's an inscription on the bottom of the car, and in the front it says, like an air name, it says, don't trip, he not done with me yet. Now, obviously, that's grammatically correct. <laughs> Not so much. But the thing is that I'm looking at it, and uh, it was funny because I'm thinking, what we're doing, what we're talking about today is how I quit judging. Now, the reality is we all make assessments. Now, I could have made an assessment. I could have judged based on how she looked. She could have judged based on how we looked, which I could assume that that may be why. But the funny thing she said is, hey, I'm not racially profiling. She actually said that out of her mouth. <laughs> she said, I'm not really, I'm like, right. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to say? I'm like, what? Of course not, girl. <laughs> you ain't racially showing sure up because this is how I talk all the time. <laughs> so she's like, I'm not racially profiling. She said, I just wondered if it was your car. And I said, no, it's not. But the inscription said, don't trip. He ain't done with me yet. And uh, the thing is, we all make assumptions. You know, we all, you know, are predisposed to think things about people, whether it's their dress, their, you know, you didn't go to college, or, you know, um, who you married, what you look like, your hair color, style, whatever. We all make assessments. We all make judgments. And today, when we're talking about I quit judging, what we're going to talk about first is look at it scripturally. Like, what does the scripture say 
about judging. Is it something we do? Is it something we don't do, you know? And then we're going to look at how we judge and sometimes how we blow it, you know, how we mess it up really badly, you know? And then the next thing we're going to look at is the example that we've been given in Scripture for how to appropriately judge in the context for which we're placed, all right? So let's go ahead and get in now. I don't, one fun thing I don't want to do is I don't want to assume that everyone here has made a confession of faith. So even for those who have not made a confession of faith, and some of you were like all in, like, I love Jesus. I'm on fire. Look, tracks. You know, giving out tracks, tracks for those of you who don't know, are evangelism tools to let people know about your faith. And then there are some of you who are like, woo, I thought there was a movie today. <laughs> Somebody in here might be like, you mean this isn't the 11 o'clock movie? No, no, it's not. You came to Vortex Church, the best place to be on Sunday morning around 11. Know what I'm saying? Right? Amen, Vortex. All right, today we're going to talk about when we, when we look scripturally, you know, not trying to make any assessments, you know, judgments or um, assume that everyone is in the same, at the same place. But here's how we're going to do it. We're, as I said, we're going to look at how it is scripturally. We're going to look at sometimes how we blow, and then we're going to look at the example we have uh, through Christ. Amen? Amen. So the when we look in, in Scripture, where we want to go is there's a kind of like a, a law of first mention. And what you'll see is in the law of first mention is uh, if you really want to know the purpose or uh, intent for something that appears in Scripture, you go back to the first time it was mentioned. So if you want to know the purpose of sacrifice, you know, where's the first, if you want to know the purpose of an altar, where's the first time it's mentioned in Scripture? And you can really get a, a, an accurate assessment of why this thing really exists. If you want to know why feasts and things of that nature, or the Passover and things of that nature happen, go back to when they were instituted. Why? That's, when, that's how you'll learn really what the initial intent is. So when we look at judging, we have the ability to judge justly. And we see it in Scripture. Um, we're to restore justice, which is one of the reasons um, you can judge justly. We want to restore justice. And through that, we'll see it in 1 Kings 3.28, uh, when it says, when all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. He wanted to administer justice to the people, so he judged justly. Another way we'll, we'll judge justly is to um, assess Christians. Okay, scripture tells us that, and this is really for something to kind of protect the body. So, if you've been in church for any period of time, um, you know that everybody who says whatever may not necessarily manifest the actions that mirror what they say. Okay, now for those who don't know God, here's the deal. Um, the church is full of people who need God. So when you come to church and you're expecting, oh, everyone in the church is very holy, they don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of their mouth. And they're going to say, oh, good things to me. But everyone's not quite there. I'm just saying, not your church, because you guys are holy. <laughs> I'm talking about the people where I'm from. <laughs> okay, so anytime I say something, it's obviously about the people where I'm from. So where I'm from, what, we'll, what our heart is for the church is to get people to know Jesus. We're matchmakers. We just create an environment where they can meet the Holy Spirit. Then the next section is we want to, you know, help them find, you know, freedom from their yesterdays, all of that stuff. And then we help them discover purpose, and then we put them in some type of community to make a difference, right? And so everyone is not at phase four. Some people are at phase two, where they're trying to get delivered from the things that have bound them for so long. And so the new person doesn't know Jesus comes into church, and they meet somebody who may be at phase two. 
and this person says something crazy, like, oh, I hate Christians. The response is, you know, Christians do this or this or this or this. But understand that God is working on some of us, all of us, but everything is about drawing us closer to him so that we can continue to walk in the purpose that he's created us for, being right standing with him. Amen? So for the new guys, the new ladies who are just coming in, you know, we're going to cut you some slack, right? And even for those who have made a confession of faith, be patient with us too. Amen? Right, Christians? I know, yeah. We're like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm at phase four. <laughs> that's the one that's probably at phase two. <laughs> but it says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. So the deal is that, you know, the, the church is really a hospital. So no one goes to the hospital and expects to find only doctors, right? You can talk back to me. That's how we do it in Philly. Go ahead and say something. It's fine. No one goes to the hospital and expects to find only people who are doctors. Oh, you've been to medical school? Yes. Well, where'd you go? Because that's what it's all. you just doctor, 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 doctor. No, you don't go there. You expect to find sick people. You know that if you go there, you could see something that's highly contagious. But what you do is you take precautions. You mask up, right? You wash your hands. You do all of these things. And kind of, for us, you kind of like inoculate yourself against those things. And that is kind of spending time with God. You know, maybe you worship. Maybe sing some songs to him. Maybe read your word. And, 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 and God will reveal some things to you that, you know, you see and, and allow you to grow in a position where you're sensitive to what concerns someone else. He gives you a heart towards the things that you see that are crazy as opposed to, ah, we don't judge. That's why I quit judging. One of the reasons I quit judging because I want to judge justly. Another thing we, when you see in Scripture how they judge justly is they want to condemn sin. And in condemning sin, it's another reason protects body. It says, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles. Even the unsaved folk don't do this. The people that don't know God don't do this, but it's in the church. But that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. Now, this, now this scripture is kind of bananas. I mean, I couldn't imagine being in a, in a community of faith where this is kind of like the cool thing. It's like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're forgiving. We don't judge. I mean, she's really cute. Look at her. I mean, I understand. <laughs> but I, can't, I couldn't fathom possibly being in a situation where, or in a place where that, that calls himself people who are striving, to, striving hard after God, and it's okay that Deacon Jones, as I said, I said this in the previous, because I don't know if there's anybody named Jones in this service either, <laughs> but I just used the name Jones, so I'm not calling you out, because this is about people where I'm from. <laughs> not here, because you guys are, woo, so holy. <laughs> vortex, <laughs> vortex. <laughs> you know, but, I couldn't imagine Deacon Jones saying, hey, yeah, you know, um, my uncle's kind of old. He married young. I'm just saying she's really cute. I don't see how that's acceptable. And Paul is saying the same thing. He's like, look, you know, the re- we, we're able to judge this. We're able to we condemn sin. God is, God is able to forgive, but to, to say that it's okay to be open and to walk. And I, I used to say this thing in college. I said, it's one thing to fall into something. You know, and I, I got it. People mess up. You know, that's why, great, God forgives. But it's another thing to fill the pool and do some laps. Lay down in it like, oh, sin. 
sin, pick the cherries, pick the cherries, sin, side stroke, side stroke, pick the cherries, side stroke. No, God is not good with that. That is not acceptable in the body of Christ. And, and the deal is that if we're, if we're judging, we're judging justly and saying, hey, the purpose is to condemn sin so you can continue to be in right standing with the creator of the universe. Be drawn closer in relationship. Amen? Amen. But how do we do it? So we understand how to judge justly, but we folk, mm, if in Philly, up in Philly, we don't always get it right. We don't always get it right, but you guys are setting the example. Pastor Kevin told me, you guys, the heat. Mm, come with it. So sometimes we mess it up, and how do, so how do we judge? What we do is we want to restore equity. So with this one, you'll see that what, we, what we'll do is kind of like the, the Old Testament word for, for sin is the word shawfat, kind of like a Chinese emperor. Like I like karate movies, like the old ones where the sound doesn't link up with the video. And it's like, ah, gonna fight. Fight me. Y'all can't go that thing. They're really good. My name is Safat. Look at my skills. That's what I like, right? So I'm, see, I'm telling on myself, like, really? You didn't expect that? He's like, that was your car. <laughs> <laughs> so Shafat is the word in the Old Testament. And what this is kind of like, kind of how um, we judge between our, between our children. Now, in my house, we have three cell phones, one for me, one for my wife, and then one for our four children, 15, 13, 11, and 9. Now, I'm not saying that my kids fight over the phone. I'm just saying that I know a guy who looks just like me, grew up on Stockwell, has a sister, um, and uh, his mother's name is Dorothy, and he has kids. That all he hears is, it's my turn with the phone. Their hour is up. <laughs> Give me the phone. I'm like, well, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to play a game. Because the world is going to change if I don't get to play this game. <laughs> exactly. And so I come in and shawfat, <laughs> judge between the kids, right? Understand? You hear me? Ha-ha. <laughs> yes. And so I will shawfat, judge between the kids. And so with that one, you know, you can, I mean, and even right now you can make judgments based on you know, the fact that I like old karate movies that make no sense is like, that's really how you spend your time watching movies? You don't want to be emotionally and, and mentally redeemed by watching something that will challenge your thinking or your concepts about society? No. No, not really. <laughs> and I don't really care. <laughs> Nobody likes karate movies. I have volumes <laughs> of karate movies at my house. The blood is fake, and I know it. Yes. So what we'll do is, like, you can make judgments about that, and what we do is we assess spirituality. Well, if he's got volumes of, of karate movies, how can he possibly spend a lot of time talking to Jesus? Right, and what we'll do, so what we do, how we mess it up, is that we place value or on, the, on greater value on our spirituality as opposed to someone else, and what we do is we assume that from the little bit of the finite information that we know that um, they're messing up and we're not. Oh, man, I wouldn't have volumes of karate movies. How can you watch it? All the violence in it. He can't spend that much time with Jesus if he's got volumes of karate movies. He probably likes Quentin Tarantino, too. Oh, my gosh, you can't watch those. People who don't know Jesus watch Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> he probably has that. And what we do, how we mess it up, is we um, place greater value and greater worth on our own spirituality, and we kind of, to a degree, push the other person down and place them at a lower level. I'm more spiritual. And we judge that way. We judge it by... Oh, man, yeah, uh, yeah, look at what he's got on. Or look at the people he hangs with. Look at the places they frequent. You know, it's kind of funny because um, 
this is a quick story. I didn't tell this in the first service, but um, when, I was there, when I was forming our launch team, we're launching a church in Philadelphia, as Pastor Kevin said, and I was forming my launch team, and one of the guys on my launch team, I needed to get with him, didn't get with him, and uh, he invites me to the Kanye West concert coming to Philadelphia. Yeah, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, the couple, Kim Ye. So I'm, yeah, right. If you're, mm-hmm, right, because I look like I like Kanye, right? That was my car. <laughs> So my friend Derek, now Derek is, um, at one point, my favorite job he's had is that he was the uh, food service guy, ran all food service for Shea Stadium, where the Mets play. These are my friends, right? So I said, you want to go to Kanye West concert and you wanted to invite me? He said, well, you know, I need somebody who's not crazy. My sister got free tickets. She works for the Leocor Center, and she wanted to invite us. So Derek and I go to the Kanye West concert the night before I have to preach at my church the next day, because that's obviously where most preachers are on Saturday night when they're going to go to service the next morning and tell everyone about Jesus. Right, Kanye? What? <laughs> what? You don't know? What I got in front of me, though, at this concert is um, a row of guys in front of me lighting up. Now, for those of you who are really, because you guys are really holy, I got to explain it like Philly. So they were smoking um, cannabis. They were getting high. Six guys in front of me lighting up and passing it down like they were like professional um, blunt rollers, like one hand you know, just rolling, just sitting, and I'm like, you've got to be joking, really? And so I got smoke coming back on me. <laughs> and then behind me, I turn around, and there's this group of girls sitting back there, and um, it's a Kanye West concert, but they're not wearing undergarments, and they're sitting the way it's sitting. So I turn around, I'm like, that's all God gave you. Oh, my gosh. I could not believe it. This is what I turn around, and I see it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you got to be joking. And so um, anyway, Derek and I, that whole night, he invited me to this concert. We talk about the direction of God for his life the whole night at the Kanye West concert. So I got weed in front of me. I got the girls who just got done evening ballerina-ing behind me with the body glitter. And I am sitting there in the middle of all this with Kanye and people going, Kanye, you know, doing, and we're talking about the direction of God for his life the whole time. That's not usually how it goes. Now, people could assess my spirituality by the fact that I went to the concert, or they could not judge at all, because you don't know. Right? We could. Now, Derek is on my launch team, and I kind of walked out smelling like weed with body glitter on. <laughs> but I think that's what ministry is about, really. Sometimes we got to get grimy. We got to go places where the people are, right? And so sometimes when you do ministry, well, at least where I am, because you guys down here, you don't have those issues. You know, sometimes I might step out smelling a little like weed with some body glitter on me that should not probably be there, you know. And the whole time, I am in the place where God called me. So I quit judging. My life is one now that I quit judging. Sometimes we mess that up, and so we'll look at other people and, and our spirituality, and we'll place different, you know, uh, relations on how they're doing it. So then we look at other ways we mess it up, because we assess Christian compliance. So we get really rule-oriented. Like, well, Scripture says that you're not supposed to have tattoos, and brother, we can't put you on the stage with that. It says you're not supposed to mark your body. Oh, ear piercings and nose piercings. Ah, not supposed to pierce your body. That's how they did slaves in the Old Testament, pierce to show who their ownership is. Oh, mm, excuse me. Uh, yeah, that skirt is a little short, sister girl. Let me tell you. Yeah, we can see the bottom of your knees, and that can't be holy. No, no, no. And we do these things like, you know, if we, if we follow the rules, if we walk on the pink sidewalks and the blue sidewalks, if we, if we read enough, if I can work hard enough to get to God, then maybe I'm more saved more of a Christian, more of a this, more of a that. And that's not what it is. What God wants is you. And what ends up happening, Jesus says this thing. I didn't put this in the notes, but he says, if you love me, you'll do my commandments. 
right? But we look at it like, if you love me, you'll do what I told you. But the way he really said it was, if you love me, you'll end up doing it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. If my wife asks me to bring home milk, I don't bring it home because she beats me. <laughs> I just came. I do it because I love that woman. I love that woman. I got four kids. I love that woman. Love that woman. Yes. And so we'll see in the New Testament how it goes. It's, uh, the word for, for, com, um, for judging in the New Testament, not, and so not the, just to restore equity or spirituality. It's not shofar, but in the New Testament, you know, it's not even just, it's not about compliance, but it kind of, this word actually details kind of how we do it. And, it. and it speaks to those things because now the New Testament, it's clearer that people are acting this way. This is the New Testament church. And the word is katakrino, katakrino. And it means to give judgment against, to judge worthy of punishment. It also means to condemn. Like, so on the first one, to judgment against or the judge worthy of punishment, that is kind of like to restore justice. And then the second one is to condemn, as in to, hey, 10 years, you got it. I saw you walking across the street when the sign said don't walk, get 10 years, you know. And then, and then the third way that this word um, details what judging is, it says, by one's good example to render another's wickedness the more evident and censurable. Oh, you did this? Ha-ha. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. I can't believe that people did this. Oh, mm, you let this go on in your house? Mm. You guys have HBO? Mm. Can't know Jesus. Can't know Jesus with them premiums. We know Cinemax, Skinemax, I mean, whatever you call it. <laughs> However you call it, I can't believe you got that in your house. You're probably up at like, what, 11, 12, watching the news. Right, in Philly, they do this. Not, not down here, once again. Not down here. You guys are the heat. Mm. Holy <laughs> vortex. Vortex. And so we'll see all these things, but the way we want to do it is we want to follow the example that's been given us in Scripture. Amen? And, the, and, the, and we're Christians, and for those of you who may not be Christians, who haven't made that confession of faith, I promise you on this side, it's the heat. Y'all don't know the pre-Jesus Bernard, but praise God you don't. <laughs> all I'm saying is that God works wonders, and what you see today is like night and day in comparison, if my mama was here, she'd be crying, shouting hallelujah. She'd be one of them crazy lady, tambourine ladies talking about, my son is saved. My son is saved. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like night and day because she lived through all of the drama, you know, the pre-Jesus stuff. And, uh, and what we have the opportunity to do is follow Christ's example and even how we judge. Now, here's what Christ says about judging. You ready? You ready? Everybody ready? Don't judge. <laughs> Just straight up. Just don't judge. Christ says, don't judge. Do not judge. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure and press down, shaken together, and running over by, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. A lot of the Christians believe this is like the giving, like tithes. Give, and it will come back to you. For those of you who do know, good measure. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Give. <laughs> Give. <laughs> yes, but Jesus says, don't judge. Don't condemn. Give that, and it'll be given back to you. The fact that good measure shaking out. God, hallelujah. You don't judge and don't judge, and you don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Amen? Amen. That's what I'm talking about. The way Jesus did is he wanted to restore justice. He said, let's not judge, 
let's restore justice. This is what he, he didn't say, let's restore justice, but in his actions, that's what he did. And we see that through the story of the woman caught in adultery. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. That's hectic. Oh, my God, could you imagine? It's like, oh, oh. Baby, it don't look like what it looked like. <laughs> it ain't what it looked like. There's no way. She's caught in the very act. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds of accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote in the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the old folks. He wanted to restore justice. We've all got stuff, right? Don't cast stones. Don't judge. Don't judge. Jesus, straight up, don't judge. Don't condemn, and you won't be judged, and you won't condemn, right? So what he does is still go back to condemning sin, the same thing we talked about before. And he says, and he was left alone, and the woman where she was in the center of the court, straightening up, Jesus says to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? Hold up, aren't you just caught in the act? So we don't know what she like pseudo clothes, like that to wrap a sheet around herself, or is she standing there completely revealed to the world? Like completely embarrassed. And he's like, what, no one accused you? You're actually, as in like, there are witnesses who saw you do what you did, and there's no one here to accuse you. And she says, did no one condemn you? And she said, no, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on and sin no more. So Jesus isn't saying, hey, what you did is all good. No, no, no. He's like straight up, look, don't, don't continue sinning. But I'm not here to condemn you. What I'm here to do is to not judge you. I want to restore justice. And I want to condemn the sin and bring you back into intimacy with the creator for which you were created. So whether you are someone who is, has made a confession of faith, and you've been walking this walk for a long time. Sometimes it's most difficult for us because we've been taught a certain way, and we look at it like, hey, what we're doing is we're helping. We want to bring someone in line. But you can't correct someone if you haven't connected with someone, and that correction comes in relationship. So sometimes when we're thinking, hey, I see someone that I don't know that I have no connection with, and I know nothing about their body, let me go, I mean, about their life, let me go speak to what I think I see. When in actuality, you'd have walked up to me at the Kanye West talk concert talking about, Pastor, aren't you speaking tomorrow? And I'd be like, I sure am. Praise the Lord. You can put your beer back now. But the deal is that what we want to do is restore relationship. We want to direct people back to Christ. Point them to the fact that God, without regard to the situation you find yourself in, can reach down in the midst of the muck and mire, pull you out, help you be delivered from your yesterdays, find purpose, and put you in a community like Vortex where you have the opportunity to make a difference. Amen? Anybody with me about uh, quitting judging? If you want to quit judging today, raise your hand. Amen? Let's, let's choose to walk in that today.
Y'all as excited about me as I am for Philly. I mean, isn't he going to kill it? I mean, I'm excited for him. Listen, here's something I want you to know. That one of the ways that our relationship with God in Scripture is described is that God is our judge. See, Bernard showed us that in the Bible, the Bible shows us that we can judge justly. And I think that sometimes when we sit back and look at that relationship that we have to God as he is our judge, that we think that God judges us to condemn us. But listen to this. The judgment of God exists to create intimacy between us. Because sin destroys our ability to get close to him. It does. Destroys it. And God knows that we can't get near him with sin in our lives. And so God helps us by revealing that sin. See, the judgment of God is an opportunity to confess our sin. To say, God, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I've blown it, God. I want to be close to you. I want to be near you. I mean, that's what a good dad does with his kids, right? Like you... No, you're wrecking your room. No, you're wrecking our house. So I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that because we want to live in peace in this house. And so you provide correction. And that's what the judgment of God is for us. And I want you to know today that, that God in that has invited you into a relationship where there's a stand, he sets the standard. There's always a standard in a relationship, right? He's the standard maker. And we say, God, convict me. The psalmist would say it this way. God, come and search me. Know me. Reveal to me the places where I've blown it, where I've messed it up. So today it's my prayer for all of us that we would allow God to do that to us. Let him search our hearts. Let him come to know us. That we may be judged by him, not that we would judge other people. We would be judged by him and receive that so that we can be close to him. So that the things that stand in between us and him, they can be taken out of the way. Let's pray. God, today, we thank you for this moment, this great invitation to live in a relationship with you where we know and experience grace and mercy. And today, God, for many of us in the room, that we stand in in, in front of that, And we realize that we need to receive it. So today, God, we do. We take that invitation to walk into grace, to live in mercy. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you, as God searches your heart today, is there something that stands in between you and him? Is there something that you've allowed to creep into your life that stands in between you and God? Maybe it's somebody that you need to forgive. Maybe it's something that you've done. Maybe it's something that you've allowed to continue in your life. What, what is it for you today? Maybe today is the day you need to get that relationship with God right. If you're here today and you say, hey, I know there's something in between me and God. I need to repent. I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. I need to give it all to him. I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to give it to God. And I'm going to walk in this newness of a relationship with him. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Wow. 
so God, we just thank you. Thank you that you are kind, gentle, and gracious, God. That you're patient with us when we don't get it right. That you're helpful for us when we do blow it. That your grace covers a multitude of our mistakes. And God, we ask you to come today and lead us. Take our lives where we failed you. God, redeem us, change us, and use us for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.